In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today on the memorial of Blessed Alvaro del Portillo, we go to our prayer now and we can ask in the presence of God, who is Don Alvaro for you? You've seen pictures of him, you've read his biography, no doubt. You may have even met him. Now we say these words quite easily. That is, we say, Don Alvaro, Blessed Alvaro. But for many years, he was just the father. For me, he was the father. And while we knew his name, but... uh, He wasn't referred to as Don Alvaro at all. He just had that, he just had that identity of being the one who ensured that our father continued. And we would make a very clear distinction between our father, the founder, and the father. But the two began to merge quite early. So, who is Don Alvaro for you? And do we ask him anything? Have you, for example, memorized the prayer card? I remember when we first saw the first prayer cards of our father. Most of us, it was a normal thing to memorize them and use them over and over and over for different intentions. And so it was interesting to see the first prayer card come out of Don Alvaro, compare it. But here the the principal theme is, O God, merciful Father, you granted your bishop, blessed Alvaro, the grace of being with Our Lady's help, with Our Lady's help an exemplary pastor in the service of the Church, and a most faithful son and successor of St. Josemaria, the founder of Opus Dei. Grant that I, too, may respond faithfully to the demands of the Christian vocation, turning all circumstances and events in my life into opportunities to love you and to serve the Church, the Kingdom of Jesus Christ. So a lot of those things came directly from the original prayer, directed to St. Josemaria. But here the dominant theme is that it, it comes back twice. It is that he is faithful son of St. Josemaria and he responded faithfully to the demands of the Christian vocation. So he was faithful son and he responded faithfully. Faithful. And that he was a successor. So we also ask to respond faithfully to the demands of our vocation to be faithful, not to be successful, not to be very, you know, 
highly esteemed. And uh, naturally, it takes place in the ordinary opportunities or circumstances, turning all circumstances. Those are all expressions we're familiar with. In fact, it would be, it would be surprising if it took place in extraordinary circumstances. But now, the pandemic is one of those extraordinary things that we have made ordinary by sanctifying it. Because the longer the pandemic goes, the more ordinary it's becoming. And that nevertheless, we want to be faithful despite the pain, despite the isolation, and despite the smell of sanitizer everywhere. Which gives you the creeps, you know. <laughs> Especially when you're about to give communion, you just, you know. But it's an occasion to love more. It's just an occasion to love more. Like when Don Alvaro was locked up in the legation of Honduras with nothing to do. No phones, no movies, no Netflix. Very few distractions except for the watching the cockroaches race up and down the pipes. And of course, they could study, but with what? What do you study with? Didn't have tons of books available. Study Japanese. Yeah, but what do you study Japanese with? And after so many months, I mean, you've probably finished the book several times. So they had a lot of time even if they had very few means. Now we have very little time, but very many means and many means of distraction. But in both cases, we have to be faithful. Even if our Don Alvaro had many, many means and little time, which you could say happened more towards the end of his life, he would have been faithful there too. We may not have to be without books or information or the internet, but even if we are somewhat locked up, we don't seem to have that much time. Time seems to always just escape us. Maybe we're not using it for its real value or the things we're doing that are absolutely necessary. Maybe we just end up not liking them. We just don't like the things that we have to do. And we maybe are doing them rather begrudgingly against the current with a bad tone in, our, in the back of our head. I don't like doing this. It's like an attitude. You know, fidelity has a lot to do with attitude having our faith bolstered even in these circumstances. And we can think of, if, if that's true, if fidelity has a lot to do with attitude, we can look at Don Alvaro's attitude in his life, then in the Honduras legation, or just in general in his life. You know, reading more recently about the temperaments, we read that that the sanguine temperament is more inclined to communicate with people. It's the people person. 
they're more inclined, the sanguine personality or, or, or temperament is more inclined to communicate with people than to carry out her projects to perfection. They do the projects sort of, but what they want to go is go and have, you know, have a get-together with others and be with others, even if the things are left hanging. The phlegmatic is more inclined to pragmatic analysis of things than to dream of great endeavors. And they're not as much people person. So the phlegmatic person is, their strengths are, they have a real scientific approach to reality, they're you know, kind of by the book, they're very excellent listeners, they have great empathy for others, they're endowed with a great sense of obligation, cooperation, they are known to possess a will of iron. They are constant. They are loyal. They are persevering. They are not easily insulted or provoked to anger. They are calm under pressure. That is Don Alvaro. Those are all the, the, the strengths you could see in a phlegmatic character or, or rather a phlegmatic temperament like Don Alvaro. And he did have empathy for others. You know, Pope Benedict also is a phlegmatic, very clearly, with a scientific approach and also just a desire for peace, you know, wanting peace, peace-oriented. And uh, one characteristic we see about Don Alvaro is that he wanted to pass unnoticed. You know, and his charisma did not stem from a form of magnetism that was more proper to somebody like our father, but from a profoundly moral and ascetical vision, a kind of unitary understanding of his purpose and his mission in the work and in the church. If you take our father, if you take Don Javier, they have more of a sanguine and magnetic personality, more choleric, they get things done, but especially like sanguine people person, always kind of backslapping and fun to be with. I mean, when people were with our father, they were, they were just like, people were just rolling with laughter. It was, it was the get-together, and nobody wanted to miss that. Don Alvaro's get-together were more profound. He, they would kind of be calm. They would give you a sense of peace and stability. But he had a unitary understanding. Like a, it wasn't the immediate that interested him. It was more the grander scheme of things. And that's why, for example, when, when Pope John Paul II established the work as a personal prelature in 1982, he's, the Pope just said, okay, and well, we'll make you prelate and I'll ordain you bishop. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, good. And uh, Don Alvaro said, well, okay, within my unitary vision of this, I appreciate the offer, but some people might see this as, you know, a power play that I did all this so that I could become a bishop or whatever. So, so maybe we should just hold off. But it would fit, but in a few years from now, you know, like, whoa, like, you know, you know, he saw things in the bigger scheme of things. I would say, yeah, no, that's, that's good, good. No problem, let's do it, you know. 
He didn't want it to be interpreted as a power grab. You know? And sure enough, nine years later, bang, he gets ordained bishop. And I never knew that he could be bishop. Like I never, uh, like I remember coming home from the university, and one of the German students who was with me there. Now he's the priest. Uh, he's the um, priest secretary in the commission in, in Germany. But he he said, uh, uh, "The father has been named the bishop." He said to me. <laughs> it was very funny the way he said it. So. Uh, I said, what? Bishop? Why? I didn't understand. It didn't fit into my ununitary scheme of, of vision of life. I mean, it shows that, that he had a broad vision in mind. And it was not just for what was good for him now, in the kind of immediate sense. And as I say, Cardinal Ratzinger too was phlegmatic, peace-oriented, and would knew how to listen. Whenever people went to the different congregations, when he was the head of the CDF, people always enjoyed going to see Cardinal Ratzinger. They wouldn't have a finger waved at them or told them, told you know, he had this image of being this Rottweiler, but that's not at all what he was like. And. Uh, Though Donovo was by nature phlegmatic, he was prudent because he learned also to be bold. Although he was timid, he made very daring decisions and carried them out, no matter what the consequences. When the decision was made, he was absolutely impervious to criticisms impervious to attacks and threats. Same thing I would say with uh, Cardinal Ratzinger. And of course this came early with his time with our father. He made a decision and like when he decided to join the work, to join our father, it was like there was no going back. He had a will of steel, of iron, whatever you call it. And yet he always wanted to shy away from attention. He always wanted to shy away from the, from the spotlight. And indeed, before the beatification of our father, he had to face a lot of attacks, but he kept up his will of iron. He sheltered us from a lot of those attacks when I was in the Roman College. We heard that there were articles in the paper. Of course, in those days, you didn't have the internet, so somebody literally had to physically send you a paper for you to see what was in it. But facing all those attacks, because there were people showing their opposition to the beatification you know, because the story of the devil's advocate, or I don't know what, uh, different reasons people opposed it. Though, from the point of view of the, of the dossier, it was solid, it was very clear. There were tons of testimonies, one after the other. The miracles used were all very, very solid. Everything was solid from the point of view of the, of the actual dossier. 
But the attacks kept coming, especially from the Spanish press. And he ended up quite exhausted by the end. I mean, in fact, Pope John Paul II was surprised by all this upheaval. And um, he said, well, let's just to calm them down, let's just set up a commission of cardinals to study whether this was all done properly according to rule. And sure enough, the cardinals studied it and they said, yeah, everything went fine. But by the end of this process, so by the end of, even after the beatification, like let's say early 1993, uh, he was... uh, he was quite tired. He, in fact, exhausted. You could see even in the very ceremony of the beatification that he was exhausted. Take the pictures where, well, both in the beatification, but also in the, in the Thanksgiving Mass the next day where he is presiding and he's walking in and he's next to the Master of Ceremonies, Don Sabino Gabiola. Uh, he's, just, he's, just like, he's just barely standing. He's there. It's just teetering. And it, it was like the, kind of like the result of all the pressure on him. And yet, the pictures a few months later when he went to the Holy Land, he's transformed. He's like, he's like a nunc dimittis. Now you can let your servant go. He finally came to this beautiful place that he always dreamed of going to. Some of the final pictures show him there, surrounded by lush green gardens and, uh, and at the same time just the dry area that was proper to the Holy Land. Some beautiful pictures there they took of him. We, in our oratory, we have a picture of him that was taken, it must have been literally taken a few days before his death. But it's there in the Holy Land in some garden of some kind. And uh, he's got his hands in this, a similar position as the, as the paint, uh, painting of our father, who's got his hands like this. And they echo each other. Our father looks intense and ready for a fight. Don Alvaro is peaceful, tranquil, and he's saying, now you can let your servant go in peace. Many people appreciated his ongoing kindness, his patient will, his endearing attention, his perseverance. He didn't easily give up on anything. And we shouldn't give up on anything either. We should be persevering too. Whether it's small tasks that we don't like to do, or just be persevering and kind and gentle with others. People like it when they have somebody that they can count on. And somebody who won't whine or complain. There's one thing you can't imagine Don Alvaro doing is whining. Do we have to do this again? You know, the, do we have to, uh, why do we have to do this? It's just, I mean, that, that's just like not possible, right? In the website, they have a list of the testimonies of his goodness, of his intellect, of his kindness. People of great standing, like Cardinal Ruini, who was the Cardinal Vicar of Rome for many years. Cardinal Ratzinger, Sister Teresa Margarita, who first met him in Vigo in 1945, where he had given a retreat. 
Donauvron gave a retreat in 1945. He was super young back then. And the theme <coughs> that we see behind all of these testimonies is that he was a man of stability, he was a man of fidelity, faithfulness. We go back to that theme that is in the prayer card. Pope John Paul II said, I recall with gratitude to our Lord the life of the departed, his priestly and episcopal zeal, the example of fortitude and confidence in divine providence, which he constantly offered his fidelity to the, to the See of Peter and his generous ecclesial service as an intimate collaborator and worthy successor to St. Josemaria, or then Blessed Josemaria. I raise up to our Lord fervent suffrages to take this good and faithful servant into eternal joy. And to all who have benefited from his pastoral dedication and outstanding gifts of mind and heart, I send as consolation an apostolic, a special, a special apostolic blessing. It was on the day that he passed away when Pope John Paul II went to Villa Tevere to pray in front of the mortal remains of Don Alvaro, who had just passed away a few hours before. gave us a special apostolic blessing. Well, today's feast is a memorial or a commemoration, but it must also be a guidance for us in some way. It has to help us to tap into something deeper about our vocation, not a flightiness, not a, a fear, not more worry, but something similar, what we need is say, something similar to the hidden stability of Don Alvaro. I need that, this hidden stability. Even when things are going crazy, I'm busy, I have no time, I'm tired, anxious, hidden stability. And we must be here to discover the inner dimension that he can help to build up for us that you be a woman of faith, a woman of courage, of deep humility, and uh, have a real readiness of conversion, or for conversion. Imagine going to a, a museum, a beautiful museum with, with great paintings, and you go with a blurred vision. You have all these masterpieces in front of you, and all you see is this blurred out dark colors, there are no good lights. You see kind of like a massive painting, but it's just like an unfocused blob. Whereas in reality, you're looking at a Velasquez, you're looking at an El Greco, you're looking at a Roger van der Weyden in the Prado. You know? Like a, I remember precisely during the beatification of Don Alvaro, we went to Madrid, and we went to the Prado, and there I was just like giddy with excitement, of course, but uh, uh, you know, finally we came to the room of the crossbowmen's guild, 
where we saw Roger van der Weyden's descent from the cross from 1435. I knew we were going to see it at one point. I didn't know where, but I knew it was coming. And uh, I was just dying to see this painting. I knew more or less how big it was. I knew it was big. I knew it had its own room and everything. And uh, uh, the day had finally come. And I see, oh, there's the Jechrenonimus Bosch. And there's, a, oh, there's another Velasquez. And then, okay, where's, where's the crossbow? Crossbow guilds descend from the cross. Okay, where is it? Where is it? But by the time I saw it, I was so exhausted, you know, just from wandering around from all day in Madrid and stuff. Um, it was just, oh, there it is. Okay. You know, you need to be, you need to be focused and alert in order to appreciate such a such a tremendous masterpiece. I mean, I still, of course, I appreciate it, but I was still, very, I, for, because of the circumstances, you know, you're traveling, you're, you know, you're not like a, like a fresh tulip, you know, you're, you're just wilting, I was at least wilting like a flower, you know, but, but our priority in our vocation is to have a good vision, clean vision, so we can see our Lord descend from the cross, brought down there by His friends, carried by his friends to the tomb, like in that beautiful painting. And he's carried there by loving hands, full of sorrow. All the people in this painting surround, surround Our Lady, who swoons. Even John catches her, holds on to her. All around are weeping. Don Alvaro was a model for future prelates and a model of fidelity for us. And in general, I would say that people out there liked him. Nobody disliked Don Alvaro. Everybody found him good and kind and decent because he was a man of peace. He was kind of dominated by a sense of peace in everything. And for us, he is a model of fidelity to our vocation because it is the greatest gift that we have received, ever. He safeguarded his vocation and he can help us do the same for ours. And it'll help us to go deeper in what it really means to have a vocation. You know, like Fulton Sheen said that God has two pictures of us one is what we are, and the other is what we ought to be. He has the model, and he has the reality. The blueprint, and the edifice. The score, and the music, and the way that we play it. God has these two pictures because in each one, and in every one of us, there is some disproportion and a want of conformity between the original plan and the way we have to worked it out. That's, the, that's what we have, that's when we go deeper in our vocation. We have to look at that original and conform our lives more, more harmoniously to that original. And if we want to build up our interior life, build up our virtues, our character, 
our sense of leadership. Right? To respond to the call of that vocation to sanctity in, in the temperament that we are, in the personality that we have, in the place we are, always, always having a real readiness to change. That way we become a new man in Christ. This is truly um, a wonderful ideal. And it all started way back in 1935 when Don Alvaro first met our father. And he said he received what he called una gracia tumbativa, like a, a grace. You know, it has, it has a tinge of a joke about it, but it was a knockdown grace that he said that moved him to respond and to become to follow our lord uh, to follow our father there at that moment as he wrote my dear father having come to know the work of god i write to you to ask you to allow me to join it i entrust myself to your prayers to persevere in this resolution Two lines right there, bang, that was it. You know, the, the power of two lines. You know, two lines written down on a scraggly piece of paper in 1935. That's what you call a gratia tumbativa. You know? So our Blessed Mother will intercede for us so that we too might be in conformity to that image that God has for us and be faithful right until the end. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.